Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and technical difficulties be damned. Joining us against all odds, as he does each and every week. But this week, from the left coast, racing the sunrise bright and early this morning, my broadcast colleague, the fighting Irishman himself, Mr. Kevin Patrick. KP, what's the good word this morning? Uh, what's the crack gravy? I tell you what, I love that t-shirt you're rocking today. As long as New England loses. <laughs> you know, my, my Steelers fandom bleeding through. This is a very difficult t-shirt to wear within my own house because uh, my better half, my significant other, has a bit of a uh, long-standing relationship with the New England Patriots. But my Steelers pulled out a W this week. I was there live Monday night. It was an ugly, ugly game. Uh, but things are looking up, I think. I'm being hopelessly optimistic. But we're not here to talk Football this morning, KP. There's a lot to get to. We got Santos Escobar of the LWO on tap, waiting in the wings, headed your way very soon. But as we do each and every week, we've got a ton of stuff to get to. Not nearly enough time to get there. Uh, But I would like from here on out to make one request, KP. One simple, single request that from this moment forward, you. And all of our colleagues on the announce team, on the broadcast side of things, begin referring to me, Corey Graves, as Professor Corey Graves. Ah, stop. What are you on about now? What's the story? What do you mean, what am I on about? You you were a fisherman a few weeks ago, catching sharks. I wear many hats. I wear many hats. I can do a lot of different things. Forget the Dos fella. Forget the Dos lad. You're the most interesting guy in the world. I feel like it right now. And we have to add... Professor to the list, KP. I did one of the coolest okay. things I've done in a while yesterday. I had the chance to speak at Point Park University here in Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a, an arts college. They have a great communication, broadcasting, journalism program. And I was invited to sit down and chat with some of the brighter young minds enrolled in the school. Basically, anybody who had free time in the middle of the afternoon to come hang out with Old Gravy. And I got to drop a little knowledge on them. It was really, really cool to me to actually have a chance. It's surprisingly rare that you have a chance to sit and actually engage with fans. Uh, And a lot of them, most of them in the room were WWE fans or at least familiar with WWE. But it's so rare. We get to say hi to somebody walking to the ring or as we're trying to pull out of the parking lot and we're eager and we're hungry and we're tired. And we the the interactions are very rarely uh, such that you can sit down and get to talk and converse and have a back and forth with fans. It was really, really cool just to get different perspectives and points of view. Of course, I got to talk about myself, my favorite subject for a great deal of time. But it it was really neat because to me, my takeaway from it was those are likely a a, that group is probably a strong representation of the majority of the WWE universe. Everybody's got lives. Everybody has dreams. Everybody has goals. We as talent get too caught up, and I know you and I aren't the only that are guilty of it. it it's across the board. It, it transcends WWE, but I think for athletes or anyone in the entertainment space, it's so easy to rely on social media for your instant feedback that I think a lot of times we're guilty of taking that all as gospel. We think, oh my God, Twitter hated me tonight. Yeah, yeah. right. And it's and I know for a fact it's not just you or I, and there's a lot of guys and girls on the roster, and you hear about it in other sports. But to be able to sit down and engage with people where it's not just one tweet, it's not just here you go, surface level, here's my take, I'm dropping it and I'm running away like a grenade. 
to be able to have a discussion and a conversation and say, hey, this is sometimes why this happens, or this is why I do it that way. And not everybody necessarily has to agree with it, but it was just really cool to have an actual conversation with fans. It seems ridiculous to say that out loud, especially because we're never short of being surrounded by them, but to, to actually have a human conversation, you go, oh, okay, that person may disagree with my take on this aspect of the wrestling business. But here we are having a civil conversation and civil discourse and nobody's yelling and nobody's getting fired up and angry and swearing at each other and trying to call for one another's jobs or canceling people. It's just like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you like this flavor of ice cream. I enjoy that flavor. But guess what? We can all go to the ice cream store together. It was a great time. So thank you real quick to everybody who was involved from Lou, who coordinated the whole deal, all the guys and girls who came to hang out at Point Park. Big thrill for Old Gravy. Fascinating. And I love that. I love that you went in and did that. I did something similar in Kennesaw State University, um, which I believe was Braun Breaker's old school, uh, not so long ago as well, speaking with the journalism class. Look, you, you bring something up that I, I'm, I'm glad you went there in a way, because I got a DM a few days ago off a fella and he said, hey, I see you're doing WWE and MLS. I want to do that too. How do I get there? And I thought to myself, there needs to be something out there. Maybe it's you and I here on this podcast where we just say to people, hey, like if you're going to drop a DM to someone and ask for advice, Maybe say hi, hope you're well. Maybe say <laughs> Manners, thank people. You. Yeah. Like how <laughs> difficult is it? Because it's not that hard. If I get a DM and someone's been incredibly polite and they're genuine and they have a specific question, that's the key. It's not how'd you get there? Because guess what? I've been in this industry for 20 years, started making tea and coffee. You know, you have your path, which is very, very interesting into how you got into commentary, which is working your ass off behind the scenes as a superstar, right? So you, mm -hmm. you garnered that appreciation, that understanding of the industry that way. So to drop a DM and simply say, how'd you get there? You're never really <laughs> going to get a response, are you? So what would, your, what would your tips be for any students out there or any young aspiring broadcasters in this space? What would it be? Put a little bit of thought into your approach, for sure. It's not like you or I or anybody, Michael Cole, uh, Wade Barrett, nobody just woke up one day and all of a sudden found themselves at ringside. There is a path. There is a journey. Every journey is unique. Um, but I, I say it regarding every aspect of the industry from people who are aspiring wrestlers who want to get started on the independent scene. More often than not, a great rule of thumb is in this business, and I would dare say most businesses, you get out of it what you put into it. You're never going to just get that easy path. No one's going to send you a DM from WWE and say, hey, do you want to come call Monday Night Raw? Not that easy. You're going to get told no. You're going to be denied. You're going to be disappointed probably over and over and over again. You can probably speak to this better than I, KP, because I never attempted to join the broadcasting world. I, I luckily stayed within the wrestling realm of things. Um, but, but it was just, it was really cool. I had a lot of really great questions after the fact. I actually put uh, a young man in, in contact with a friend of mine who's an independent broadcaster uh, in Love the wrestling it. world. And if you really mean it and you're really serious about it, there's no shortage of people willing to help you into the business or to introduce you. This business isn't like it was 40 years ago where you had to know somebody and it was super top secret and it was very discriminatory. Now with social media and the age we live in, I mean, it, it, there's no difference between superstardom or uh, commentary or whatever that may be. Look at Logan Paul. Logan Paul puts in the work. He may be famous because of his other social media exploits, but the guy puts in the work in the gym, in the ring and, and has not embarrassed himself. And I think Someone like a Logan Paul or a Bad Bunny can really open the doors for every aspect of the business. That said, don't expect to just knock on the door at your local arena and get a, a tryout right then and there. There are, there are definitely feet to beat and miles to walk and dues to be paid. 
But uh, I, I think it's a it's a really cool time. The business, as Seth Rollins said so eloquently a few weeks back, the business is in a boom right now. Everything's red hot. Everything's excited. There are so many reasons to be excited. None perhaps more so, KP, than the surprise we all received this past Friday night, Denver, Colorado, literally the biggest surprise on WWE TV <laughs> in the last, God, what, decade? A surprise, a genuine shocking yeah. moment. And no, I don't mean my on-screen rival, Pat McAfee. I mean what follows. Corey, I still have the ring in my ears, man. And, and the <laughs> moment the moment that that pop hit, Denver, Colorado took over. I mean, forget the football game the next day. It was all about Friday Night SmackDown. And, and the genuine love you could see that The Rock has for the WWE Universe. You know, the, the, the fact that he it was, what, four years since The Rock was on WWE television? And but, I, but it was promoted I, I in the past. Be in that position. You had the exactly. expectation. You knew The Rock was going to be around, yeah. so you made sure. You never have a star that freaking. That's like Tom Brady just showing up in the, in the second quarter and taking the ball from somebody. Wait, what's happening right now? Yeah. Uh, I agree with you, though. One of the loudest reactions Rock took to social media and talked about one of the loudest reactions he's ever experienced because you, you multiply uh, the biggest star in all of entertainment with the surprise factor, that was genuine human excitement all through Denver and permeating the entire WWE yeah. universe. Yeah. It, what does it say about Austin Theory, though? Like, think about the the, the, the fellas that he's been in the ring with. Sure. Whether it's Mr. McMahon, whether it's Stone Cold, whether it's Edge, Rey Mysterio, John Cena, The Rock. Austin's 26 years of age. Like, what a life right now. No doubt. Unfortunately for Mr. Theory, he was victimized by not only one, but two people's yeah. elbows, including one from McAfee. And it was good. I'll give I'll give the devil his due. I'll give McAfee, McAfee his flowers. Obviously, wildly popular in the WWE universe. And as busy as Pat is, his schedule makes, makes mine look like a vacation. Uh, the guy grinds. The guy never stops. He and his team are a bunch of machines, and they are setting the world on fire. So it was cool hey. for Pat to take time out of his schedule. What'd you make of that moment backstage between The Rock and John Cena? I, I don't know how you couldn't have goosebumps if you know anything about the history of this game, of WWE, of those two superstars, uh, the rivalry that they had that was not just on screen to see it all come full circle. Oh, and by the way, The Rock kicked off the show and John Cena was still to come. <laughs> what about a bookend for a Friday night SmackDown? Kick it off with The Rock, close it with Cena, and the very last few moments. It looks like it. It became official. It has now been advertised. I feel safe talking about it tonight as this airs. This episode of ATB, we can look forward to AJ Styles joining forces with the greatest of all time, John Cena, to battle Jimmy Uso and Solo of the Bloodline. Man, if Think Rollins <laughs> wasn't dead on about talking about red hot the businesses right now, I don't know what more we could do. You know, it's crazy to think that John Cena and The Rock bookend, like kicking off and bookending the show, right? Then in the middle, you've got Rey Mysterio, a Hall of Famer. You've got AJ Styles. You've got two Grand Slam champions in the main event of Friday Night SmackDown in Oscar and Bailey. That was just a show to remember. And going on social media afterwards, there were people saying that was one of the best SmackDowns of all time. Just for, for sheer shock value of The Rock kicking off the show with Pat. Um, it's got to be up there. For me, honestly, man, like I, I kept having that, like I, I, I mean it when I say this, imposter syndrome, sitting there alongside you and Michael Cole as Cole is, is calling, you know, the rock that looked like he was back in his heyday and John Cena with the five knuckle shuffle. I, I'm just sitting there 
in my absolute element and just so honored to be there. Quite honestly, It was funny because I know you and I have talked about it on, on this podcast. I noticed I caught you when the rocks music hit, you took the one headphone yeah. aside, but the biggest takeaway was so did Michael Cole. <laughs> Michael Cole took one headphone off to listen to the madness that was The Rock. And that was truly an environment we'll never forget. That was up there for me with Clash at the Castle, with Backlash in Puerto Rico, uh, with some of the greatest crowd responses that that we've been able to experience in WWE. So thank you to The Rock for uh, swinging by. Hopefully it's not the last time we see him. I mean, we do have something kind of big, not too far in the horizon, you know, Philadelphia area. Just, I'm just, I'm not saying... I'm just saying. But you're saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> it was a great show. So was Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw, Corey, kicked off with a segment and an opening segment, about 15 minutes or so, of magic for me. As a professional wrestling fan, right, I'm watching this, and I'm like, this is as organic as you can possibly find. You've got Cody Rhodes, who's just that good guy who wants to give a second chance to Jey Uso. Kevin Owens comes out, and he's having none of it. And he's the friend in that group that just doesn't trust the guy because he was betrayed. It doesn't matter whether it was five years ago or six months ago. Kevin Owens is the type of guy that hurts forever over what happened in the past. And Kevin Owens, look, he had championships that he thought he was going to win, cost by the bloodline and Jey Uso. Cody Rhodes, right there too. Think back to WrestleMania last mm-hmm. April. Yet he's the fellow who's willing to give that opportunity to Jey Uso. And so is Sami Zayn. And that moment for me was so special to see KO having this mental tug of war with Cody and with Sammy and Jay wasn't there at all. I just thought it was, it was a very special, organic, natural, relatable segment to kick off. Rob. What do you think? I just think it's another testament to how in depth and rich the entire saga of the bloodline has been, because here we are again, we've seen the fallout between Jimmy and Jay Uso. We've seen the potential fractures in the bloodline, but now we're seeing Potential fractures on the other side of the ring. The the guys who opposed the bloodline so vehemently. And there are so many legs to this story. And I say it's a saga. It is epic. I am understanding and believing more and more each and every week why many people think the bloodline is the greatest story, saga, epic in WWE history. Because it has been so well told and developed that here you are now and you're seeing essentially spinoffs. It's basically like, okay, we've got the Avengers movie. Well, it's time for the mm-hmm. Ant-Man movie. Uh, oh, wait, I don't know. If, oh, yeah, Ant-Man's great, too. It, it, it's really that sort of yeah. that sort of power in the sports entertainment space, and it's really cool. And I, I want to piggyback off of that thought by taking another second, not that he needs it, but to acknowledge main event Jay Uso and how quickly he has risen. But beyond the speed with which he has risen, the impact that he has had and the success that Jay has had organically with connecting with the WWE universe that Jay stands on his own extremely well already. You you might think a tag team splits, uh, you know, Sean and Marty, they go their separate ways. It's not like overnight Sean became HBK and the, you know, one of the greatest of all time. He had to get there. He had to evolve. Same can be said for, for Jay, but to see Jay stand on the turnbuckles and get his arms going, and you see 15,000 or so people in the arena all doing it along in unison. Visually, it's incredible. It adds to the atmosphere, and it makes Jay, what he said he was for years now, a main eventer. 
Jay Uso feels important right now. And, and I'm really curious to see what the next step is, whether it be alongside Kevin and Sammy and Cody. Maybe this is all a long-term play by the bloodline. Maybe, maybe Jay Uso is the proverbial wolf in sheep's clothing. We'll have to see how it plays out. But right now, I am enjoying the hell out of it. And it cannot be overstated how tough it is to come from not only a tag team into a singles competitor, but maybe the greatest tag team of all time to go solo on your own and have this much success and have the people buy into you the way they seem to be with Jey Uso. This isn't a, oh, we're curious. Oh, we want to see how this goes. This is all right. No, this is our guy. We know him. We're we're on board. And then, then to what you said, Kevin Owens is the guy going, I don't know. Wait, wait just a second. Are the fans going to begin to look at Kevin differently because he feels different? I don't know. It's one of those fun what ifs that we, we only will get our answer as as it plays out. You know, you gravy have always waxed lyrical about Jey Uso. So have some of the smartest voices in this space. However, a lot of people, you know, are doing it now and they weren't doing it a year ago. So isn't it a damn shame that it's taken Jey Uso to kind of go out on his own to get his flowers in the way he is? Of My word of advice for the WWE universe, stick with old gravy. When I tell you something's going to happen, the more often than not, it happens. I said it for a while about main event, Jay. Uh, I'm curious to see how Jimmy steps up his game because I think that's a necessity. I think Jimmy, and we're seeing it on screen, is floundering a little bit. He's having a little bit of trouble. He doesn't know where he fits in. Is he back in the bloodline? Well, not officially, but he's got to do bloodline business if he wants to be back in. When he gets back in, is it going to be all sunshine and rainbows or is he going to suffer the wrath of the tribal chief for betraying Roman all those months back? There are so many questions and that would make that's what makes any story in sports entertainment so compelling is the amount of what ifs. And every week, it seems like we get the answer to one question, but three new questions are posed. That is captivating. That is great drama. That is great for, for entertainment, whether it be in WWE or on another network for a, for a drama or a reality series. That's what keeps people hooked. And I think that's no small reason why business is good. You know, in any Uso match, we need probably half an hour to tell these stories because, mm -hmm. you know, the, the match kicks off and then it accelerates and all of a sudden your, your storytelling gets a little bit derailed by the action that's happening inside the ring. But there's a, so often, you know, we'll leave and I'll think, we didn't touch on that angle. Or maybe that's something I should have got in quicker in terms mm -hmm. of like asking Cole or yourself a question. It's it's brilliant to see right now. I, I love the Jimmy Uso angle because I think we're in for a cracker tonight with, with Cena and AJ Styles. Let's see if Solo fully embraces and accepts his older brother with Roman watching on. Because remember, he called Roman Reigns an egotistical maniac just a few weeks ago. He kicked right. Roman Reigns in the jaw just a few right. weeks ago. I don't think Roman forgets about that too. I, I was just, you took the words out of my mouth. I don't believe the tribal chief is a forgiving man. And he's certainly not a forgetful man. Can't wait to see how that tag team banger plays out tonight on Friday Night SmackDown. And someone else who's been making a lot of waves on Friday Night SmackDown recently, a member of the LWO, and he is our guest this week on After the Bell. It is our honor and pleasure to welcome none other than Santos Escobar. Santos, welcome to After the Bell. Appreciate the time, as always. Uh, got a lot to get to. Got a million questions for you. Uh, but right off the top, man, welcome. Corey, mi hermano, thank you so much for having me. Kevin, same thing. You know what? Um, I'm always uh, fond of taking the opportunity of having this one-on-one -on -one with my, my universe, my audiences, and, of course, uh, the opportunity to reveal a little more about 
the person that's behind the character. Well, we appreciate that. That's the goal here. Uh, obviously, you've made a lot of waves in WWE, NXT, but I want to take it all the way back to the beginning of your journey. Uh, we've referenced it a few times on commentary, but as you know, we rarely have enough time to really dive in depth uh, about the man behind Santos Escobar. This is an industry, the sports entertainment business, that you quite literally grew up in. It's a family business. Yes, sir. Yeah, um, that's something that it's very important to me to let the people know. Um, born and raised in Mexico City, second generation uh, luchador, which is uh, what we call wrestling in Mexico, lucha libre. Uh, son of a legend, El Fantasma. And uh, that, that's my life. Growing up, of course, I had the, the situation where my mom used to make me go to school and deliver good grades in order to be able to, to train and learn our craft. Uh, that was my life growing up. A lot of sacrifices, a lot of uh, parties I didn't go to, a lot of trips I didn't took, a lot of things that quote unquote normal people doesn't have. Mm -hmm. But in return, I had the opportunity. I was afforded the opportunity to live through the eyes of my dad and travel the world and see a world that nowadays I am part of. Take us back to your earliest memories, Santos, then, with your dad being the legend that he was. Was there an instant love for it, or was there any nearly resentment that your dad was gone so much? Of course there was resentment. Uh, early on, I, I knew he was a wrestler, and I knew he was somewhat notorious or famous. Um, I could tell because of how people behaved around him. And then eventually I understood what was going on. And I started training at age five. So I, I didn't have an, much room to do something else. Um, traveling with him was amazing. But the one thing that I remember is having him away so long uh, deprived me of having some of these memories that most people have on a day-by-day basis. But I have huge memories that never left my mind uh, of traveling with him, for example, or being with other legends. Uh, to me, it was that that was a sacrifice that, that was worth it, you know, not having the rest so that I could have this. Talk to us a little bit more about Lucha Libre culture and what it means to seemingly all of Mexico, because it's a very different business than what we know as sports entertainment or pro wrestling in the WWE. Yes, it's based. There are similarities, but Lucha culture is a lot deeper than what WWE portrays. Um, what's it, Explain that to us as well as you could for, for people who don't fully understand and grasp. I'll do my best. Yes. Uh, Lucha Libre is, for lack of a better expression, a cultural expression in Mexico. It is a sport, yes. It is entertainment, yes, definitely. But the roots of it run deep within the culture of the Mexican society. Everyone, every family in Mexico knows about Lucha Libre and employ terms and jargon of Lucha Libre. Uh, like what? Sometimes Can you give us an example? Like, for example, uh, when someone works hard and never quits, people say, eres muy luchón which oh. goes directly into Lucha Libre, uh, okay. that you never quit, that you never back down. In esta familia, somos luchones. In this family, we're luchones. That means we don't back down, we don't quit. Uh, 
Everyone knows about El Santo, Blue Demon, Mil Mascas. Uh, Lucha Libre is embedded in the culture uh, of, of our, our families and our tradition. It's also um, part of the culture of the country. For example, in Mexico, we have a day, the Day of the Luchador, every year. And it was approved by the Congress. And it's a immaterial part of the humanity, something like that. Uh, but Lucha Libre is very important uh, to us Mexicans. And I would even go as far as to say that is, is, this is the most important sport that we have. Probably followed or number two to soccer. It's, it's there. It's within wow, there. Wow, that big. Families go to Lucha Libre shows every week. And we're talking about families that uh, they're not wealthy. People, sure, you know, sure. these people that work really, really hard to give this to the families. So, in in my perspective, was always see this as my life and part of what I do, as opposed to seeing it as business. Say you go to a small town, no TV, the ring is not the best. Maybe I won't bump tonight. Not in Mexico because I know how hard these people work so that they could get there and see me perform. And th I learned that early. My dad was, are you getting paid? Yes, sir. Then you work. Uh, you work. I love that. Is, is love the arena that. full? Yes. Is it empty? Yes. We don't care. We get paid. We work. These people work hard to see what you offer. Don't ever forget that. And I've never forgotten about that. I love that. That's an incredible ethos to, to maintain this long into your journey into the business. And also it helps you, Corey, because sometimes there's things you don't want to do. Sure. Some, some, there's, there's, let's just say it, there's bumps you don't want to take. Mm -hmm. uh, and let's use this an, as a wide expression, not just about bumps. Uh, but there's things that you don't want to do. Just remember that. Somebody's Go to the business side of this. And remember, yeah. each and every single one of these people paid good money to see whatever you have to offer. And that's, that's my mantra. I, I love Beautiful that. Much. I have so much respect for that. That's fantastic. Thank you. Now, you, you were able to taste a, a great deal of success in Mexico prior to coming abroad. What have been some of the biggest differences you've experienced, not necessarily culturally, but within the wrestling business from Mexico versus the United States? It's, it's very different um, in the execution of it. Uh, I guess the, the soul of it the essence of it is the same because we want to entertain people. But I, I believe that the aspects of Mexican Lucha Libre, like the masks, the colorful moves, the lack of psychology, just going through the moves and moves and moves and, and entertaining the audience via the moves as opposed to entertaining them through a story. Oh, and, and okay, this makes more sense to me because, because I was about to ask you. I, I, I'm a, I've watched more wrestling than should probably be legal, and I, I, as you <laughs> know, my my younger brother has had quite a bit of success in Mexico, and I've watched his yeah. events and I've watched them start to finish. You know, from the beginning he's my, of the he's card, my to the, uh, he's my I, bro. I appreciate yeah. that. Appreciate you guys looking after him down there. But I, I've said to him afterwards, he said, "How'd you enjoy it?" And I said, I really enjoyed it. I looked at the spectacle and the colors and the costumes and the moves are all fantastic, but the psychology is completely different than American wrestling. And I struggle. It looks like a, like a two hour 
car crash to me, which I enjoy. There, there are definitely benefits to it, but it's very, very different for your average fan to see and understand completely. Yeah, and most of the people that has never experienced Lucha Libre before when they go, and, and I'm talking about professionals, yeah. other wrestlers, uh, they always ask, why the moves? There's no story. Well, the thing about it is, the moves are the story. Whoever, because in the way I learned the business in America is you will never get over just with moves. People right. would not, will not connect to a move. They will connect to you as a character, as a person, as a, as a larger than life character. They will connect to that regardless of your moves. But in Mexico, the way to get over is to impress the audience. You impress the audience with your moves, with your combinations. Uh, there's no promos there. If, right. if you go to a show, they all say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> I'm your father. I'm going to retire you. It's just the same thing. There's no structure to a promo. Here, a promo is a match. Is there ever a temptation, though, to, to evolve and to maybe even look at WWE and what Vince McMahon has done for decades and say, well, let's adopt a little bit of that. Or is there that resistance because of the, the pride of Lucha Libre? No, it's not that. I think, uh, I think uh, for example, Triple A has uh, taken a lot of what Vince McMahon has done mm -hmm. in this universe. We all live in Vince's universe. He created this. So um, all organizations, not just wrestling, but you know, in, in other areas, have fed off of what Vince created. Sure. And Mexico is not the exception. Uh, we have now pay-per-views. We have the biggest show in AAA every year, which is Triple Mania, which is the show where I lost my mask. And up until that night, it was the most viewed show in the history of Mexican Lucha Libre. So that's how, how big is the, um, it's, it's the importance of WWE and Vince yeah. in what they do. They right. take that and they apply it uh, to the Mexican rules and Mexican regulations and Mexican audiences because we can't, every company has its own product uh, and Mexico is not, is no exception to this. So they take the pay-per-views, uh, the production value of what we do um, and of course apply it to what the Mexican culture dictates. It's pretty impressive when you think about it, the, the, the reach that yeah. WWE's style of production and things has throughout. Uh, you, you see things as pertains to technically speaking on pro sports games all the time that were invented here within WWE or at least, you know, initiated here in WWE. It's really wild to see the reach. Let's talk about the pay-per-views. I mean, sure. I mean, in and of itself. Yeah, <laughs> the, the very concept. And I uh, let me just give you this side story. Uh, I've met Vince. McMahon, uh, three or four times in my life. Mm -hmm. But it was always in passing. It was never like, we, we never had at least 20 seconds to acknowledge each other's face. This was important to me. Why? Because I live in a world of his creation. No lie there. The world I live in, he created it. It's, this is his universe. I live in it. And from since I was a little kid, I always wanted to be here and I always wanted to work here. And as I grew up, I understood how it evolved, how it was created, who was the, who was the creator, who was the God. If we can use that word of this universe, 
The answer is Vince McMahon. So the last time we were at the Madison Square Garden, I learned he was there. I just couldn't let this opportunity go by. And I told Ray, Ray, how about you hook me up with Vince? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, sure enough, uh, we found out where he was. And I had the opportunity to meet the creator of the universe I live in. I know it's deep. I know it's probably too much. But in my eyes, growing up, how I grew up, wishing, wanting, needing everything I have now, it's clear to me that I had to meet the man. And I, I didn't say this to him because I, I, didn't, I didn't think the, the, the situation accommodated for this. But now when I have the opportunity to see him again, I will. I'll let him know this because it's important. We have a certain influence in the people around us. I was inspired by people like Ray, Eddie, and many other Mexican wrestlers, my dad included. Vince, of course, in a professional manner. I think uh, one of the most important things, aspects of a professional performer is to inspire. Yes, to execute properly. Yes, to make money. Yes, to evolve, to grow, to have the people chant your name. Yes, but to inspire. My story, easily, I shouldn't be here. Easily. Born and raised in Mexico. And this is important. And I always stress this. Why? Because I shouldn't be here. It was very hard for me to get here. I did a tryout in 2011, I think. The first role in Mexico City. Nothing happened. I sort of gave up back then. And I said, okay, I'm going to get over here first. I'm going to dominate the Mexican uh, industry first. And we'll see. Time went by. And nothing happened. Eventually, the opportunity came and to me was, wow, all those people that inspired me created a flame, a hunger in me that never died. And the reason it never died was because I, I, could, I kept seeing Sean, I kept seeing Triple H, and I just wanted to be there with them in some capacity. As time went by, I was hesitant whether I was going to be in a competitive fashion or maybe in another position. But then, as life has it, I, I got the opportunity and I came over here. So one of the goals I have nowadays for my Mexican people, not, of course, Latinos around the world, Latinos in the U.S., Latinos in Mexico and Latin America, but to my Mexican people, they can accomplish whatever they want. Major League Baseball, NBA. NFL, UFC, WWE, you name it. If you dream of it and your heart's in the right place, you can do it. I'm proof of it. Nothing was awarded to me. Nothing was given to me. I always take. How did you deal with the trepidation and the adjustment of being an established star in Mexico where you, I imagine, had a certain level of comfort, you were treated a certain way, to sort of starting from scratch, in many respects by joining NXT and coming to to the United States and now being the proverbial small fish in the big pond. That was awful, Corey. Yeah. (laughs) Kevin, I got to tell you this. I was a big deal in Mexico and I fought hard to get there. Uh, And you, Corey, you might know from your brother that you have to fight there. Oh yes. There's no, nothing is awarded. Like, Like you have to fight. To the nail, just to 
climb in the in the in the cart. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm the probably top. more familiar than I would like to be. I've gotten some late night text messages from my brother going, um, I need your advice on this. Oh, okay, well, you know, I hope, I hope I'm steering him in the right direction. And and that's why I, I bring this up because I have fought really, really hard to main event. That's like WrestleMania and I main evented that. Mm-hmm. And then I came here the, the following year and it's like, and it's a, it's a company policy and I agree with it. Because that way you can shape and mold and coach people into what you want them to be, as opposed to just giving them whatever, do whatever you want to do since you used to be a star or you're a star in Mexico, do whatever you want here. That's, that formula doesn't work. So I had to humble myself. I had to understand that if I wanted to take it to the next level, I needed to forget who I was and be able to learn from Terry Taylor, from Triple H, from Shawn Michaels, from Fit Finlay, from Norman Smiley, from Matt Bloom, from the audience, from my my counterparts. If I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I I wouldn't be in the future where I'm going to be. That was crucial. That was paramount. People out there, if you ever do accomplish something, someplace else and you come to WWE, forget about it and learn from scratch. That's the only way you will. That's the only way you're going to get yourself an opportunity at main eventing WrestleMania. I'm not lying. That's the only way. If you learn from the best and the best are here, that's it. You're clearly a man built on respect, built on humility. When you go from the Lucha Libre style, which is, as you were talking about, built on the moves and the entertainment aspect, to then the performance art of WWE, oftentimes, and, and this is just my experience from within, the American way can often be to shout the loudest and we'll tell you how great we are or I am, right? But you're coming in from a different, you know, a different history, a different angle altogether. How difficult was that for you to shout from the rooftops to tell everybody how great Santos Escobar really is? Be authentic, Kevin. You, just, you said it yourself. I'm about respect. I'm a good actor as well, but I can portray respect. But in the ring, combat, there's no other way than to command respect. Uh, and that's the way you earn it. And the funny thing about it is even when people doesn't know about what we do, about the nuances, about the execution of, of, of a match, of a TV show, they do understand certain values like family, tradition, heritage, culture, and above all, respect. They might not know who I am, where I come from, what I'm about, what Lucha Libre is, why is he wearing a mask, but when they see me perform, they relate because respect is a big word in my universe. And I will earn it and I will command it, regardless of who is in front of me. And people relate to that. So I learned that early too, because in Mexico, like I said, I had to fight. But my style would always resonate with the crowd because they would relate to this guy, the little guy that they wouldn't let pass. They would relate to this guy. And then I became the big guy. But the way I was, I wasn't like the other big big guys. I would make you work. I would make you earn your respect, not just from me, but from the audience. The end result, the bottom line, you get respect, I get an opponent, a credible opponent. And then we can make money. 
That's very simple. That's the ABC hey, that of our it. business. That, that was the Cliff's Notes version of wrestling psychology <laughs> right there. And it's that's the ABC. I, I mean that. But that, that's the only thing I didn't forget. Yeah. Because that's how I made my money in Mexico. And I made my name and I made my, my everything. And that's how I'm making it here. Just be yourself. Be authentic. And if you don't, if respect, tradition, heritage, culture, honor, code do not resonate with you, well, you better start learning that. Because otherwise, you will get the cheer, you will get the chant, you will get the shirt and the action figure, but you will never, ever, ever capture the imagination of our audiences. And that's the number one goal. Every time I go out there, I don't care if the other guys are bigger stars or bigger names or bigger bodies or bigger this. My authenticity, I wear it on my sleeve and people relate to that. I absolutely love that. I love it. So much. What what an uh, an amazing outlook on this business. You keep mentioning inspirations and respect, and I I think we need not look much further than a man who you've been able to align with in the past several months, a man who you've been very open about what he means to you, that being the Hall of Famer, the great Rey Mysterio. What has it meant to Santos Escobar, perhaps off screen or on a personal level, to be aligned with maybe the greatest luchador of all time currently? In WWE. He is the greatest luchador of all time. Uh, I, I won't like struggle in saying hesitate. that. that, that uh, I won't it. struggle in saying that. I'm the best luchador alive today. Let's be clear about something. I am the best luchador alive today. But he's the greatest luchador of all time. And that includes today and yesterday. So it's, you, it's I'm going to cut you off before I get into the, the good romantic stuff. Based on what you just said. He's the greatest of all time, but you're the greatest today. But he's still active today. Are you greater than Rey Mysterio today? Uh, that's something that we could find out. And that since he accepted my challenge, we will find out. We already had a, um, a, a match that didn't end up the way I wanted it to end. Um, he got hurt. And that's something you never want in a match, especially with a legend like Rey, especially with how important he is to me personally. Right. I would never want to hurt the man. And you ask something about how it is being with him. He has changed me in a lot of ways. And I'm sure I've changed him too, because we've traveled long hours, drives from city to city, and that creates a bond, an intimate bond where you start sharing stuff that you wouldn't, normally share with other people, uh, let alone co-workers. Sure. Uh, he has made me more humble, if that makes any sense. He is the most humble, powerful man alive. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Because he is powerful. Yes. He could do whatever he wants, especially in this company, but he never does. And and that's he he gets out of the car to sign autographs um you know stuff that i've always known but i may or may not have forgotten mm-hmm. and he has reminded me of that and being with him on the road for the past 6 months has helped me a great deal in remembering who i am and how i need to be in order to keep inspiring people because i'm here because he inspired me in some fashion maybe that kid 
or girl is inspired by me today. And we'll see the, the fruit of this inspiration in 10 years time, eight years time, whatever. But I, I think that has meant a lot to me personally. Professionally, it's given me a career in the United States. Simple as that. I may have done stuff before this, and I sure will do stuff after this whole thing is done. But it's because of him that I have a, a name and a position right now, today, in this company. I love that I will so never much. forget that. Wow. Oh, I want to bottle that up. I mean, I, Corey recently described Rey Mysterio as the closest thing we have on earth to a real-life superhero. You know, yeah. in the way he carries himself and his humility and, and what he's capable of doing still to this day as a Hall of Famer out there in the ring. And Santos, if it's okay with you, I'd love to let people in a little bit that you came to me recently on a show and you said, look, I want to, I'm introducing Ray and I want to do right by Ray and give it the, the, the magnitude that that's, he certainly deserves. And we had a little chat about the delivery and, and I know you spoke to others as well, but I came away from that being like, wow, the love, the respect for Rey Mysterio from Santos Escobar is just absolutely enormous. It was just a, it was a cool moment for me to hear that from you. Respect. It's all about respect. And uh, shout out to The Rock who showed up this Friday. Mm. And because of he showed up, I couldn't get to introduce Rey. But... <laughs> so the Rock stepped on your moment. <laughs> but I had the opportunity to see up close the great Dwayne The Rock Johnson deliver a live performance. I, he didn't deliver a promo. It was a live performance. That's what it was. And, and that, I was a little bit nervous before my, my in-ring appearance because of Ray. That's it. You know, uh, I'm very relaxed and very calm before I, I enter a commitment like that. But it's Ray in front of you, right there. So you have to be there for him. Uh, and watching how The Rock did what he does just gave me enough confidence to go out there and just enjoy what I'm doing and, and, and deliver the promo, which in this case was issue a challenge for the United States Championship, which he accepted. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's just part of that respect that you got to have and, and come through for your, whoever is in the ring with you. You keep mentioning respect and obviously how important it is to you. What about the LWO as a whole? Uh, historically speaking, the origins of LWO had some incredible talents that have passed through in the WCW days, but the group as a whole was never really treated with a great deal of respect when it was in existence. Here we are, fast forward all these years later, the LWO, red hot merchandise, but you guys are all collectively being looked at as a legitimate threat now. It's no longer a tongue-in-cheek play off of the NWO. You are your own force. How does that come together, and how has your chemistry formed so quickly uh, since forming the, the group? I think we share a lot of common aspects of the business. Like, we all value respect. We all enjoy and love Lucha Libre, all of us. Um, for example, Joaquin Wilde, he's a Filipino. Got nothing to do with Mexico. I've known that. I've known him since he tried, helped. I don't want to say I helped train him, but his first <laughs> few training sessions I was present for. <laughs> and you might say, well, uh, if it's a Latino world order, what is he doing there? <laughs> <laughs> I'm and so glad you brought this up. <laughs> 
I don't know if this is going to be edited. Out. Oh no, it's not. Put it in the show. <laughs> and but but here's here's the thing. And at first, and that's why the the faction, the group, the the business expression of LW has worked. Why? Because we are believing in what we're doing. And what first started as a well, yeah, let's feed off of nostalgia. Let's feed off of of Eddie and the other guys, uh, of which I know all of them. Uh, but then, and again, I have to come back to this, the way we work, the way we deliver and execute our performances, people relate to that. We are natural underdogs. I mean, I'm the biggest of the bunch, but I'm an underdog. It it doesn't matter who I'm up against. I will always be the underdog. Do you feel like that resonates on a cultural level? Correct. The little guy. We're all little guys somewhere. All of us. With very little, very few exceptions. But most of us are the little guy or have been the little guy once in our lives. Which is why somewhere along the line, I understood the LWO is not just for Latinos. And I started to change a little bit my pitch. Latinos in the U.S., Latinos around the world. Latinos in Latin America, LWO is for you. But then I I understood if you wake up every single day and you go out there into the world with the never ending desire to win, no matter your position, we represent you because that's what we do. We never, we always wanted to get over as a faction in the company. But we didn't know if it was going to happen because once they put you on TV, it's on you. Right. No, Triple H is not there. Vince is not there. Nick Khan is not there. You guys on the mic are not there. It's us. And you have to deliver and you have to connect. And either you do it or you don't. And if you don't, trust me, nostalgia aside, the faction is over because this is a business based on time. And if your time doesn't entertain, they have to move on. And, and, and I think the way we perform, the way the company has treated us, the matches we've had has permitted us to stay live. Given that you had the courage to step to Rey Mysterio the way you did, and given that Rey graciously accepted your challenge, does this add further pressure to you? Is this a must-win match? Whenever this match takes place for the United States Championship, is it must-win? For Santos Escobar. I have to. I already have one victory over Ray, which um, I don't like it. Right. You said so, you weren't happy with how, how it played out. So. And I'm sure he wasn't happy either. Sure. Uh, so we need to have this. And it will be an instant classic because the feeling is there. And we're both going to go hard at it. So that's something that everyone knows. Uh, as soon as it was, you know, on TV that I issued the challenge and he accepted, everyone was excited about it because they know the greatest luchador of all time and the greatest luchador alive. It's going to be a clinic. It's going to be a classic. We're going to do it because I love him, because he loves me, because we love Lucha Libre, because we love our, our roots, our country, where we come from, but because we want to do it. We want to put it out and leave it there just like Halloween Havoc. It's going to be, it's always going to be there. And our deal is going to be there forever. 
I absolutely love it. I cannot wait. I got goosebumps just hearing him yep. describe it. The confidence with which you carry yourself, Santos, uber impressive to all of us within WWE. But you mentioned before we Thanks. came online that you have been uh, stretching your muscles in different directions, spending a little time on the left coast, improving your skill set, uh, doing a little acting. Is uh, Likely we're going to see Santos Escobar on our screens in other capacities soon? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm sure that will happen eventually. But first, I'm really impressed about seeing performers succeed in the way they're succeeding. The Rock, Batista, John Cena, just to name three. And I started thinking, that's something I've always been good at. Um, I've made movies in Mexico, telenovelas and stuff, but I had never trained my acting properly. I mean, I know a lot of things about wrestling and Lucha Libre, and I'm pretty sure you can put me in any position out there and I will come out victorious because I have the tools to go through that. But then I start thinking, well, maybe I will make a name for myself. And they're going to call me to do a movie or they're going to call me to do uh, some TV series or whatever. What am I going to do? I don't want to be a guy that because I'm a superstar on TV with WWE, I get the job. I want to be a guy that's on TV and he's a superstar, but gets a job because he's a good actor, which is two different things. Mm -hmm. The one, the, the, the former, I will get it eventually. I will shoot a commercial for Mexico or I will do something. But the latter, that's only going to happen if I train myself and I invest myself the way I invested time, money, and sacrifices in becoming a great luchador or performer. The only way that is going to happen is if I train my acting. And that's what I've been doing at the Lee Strasberg uh, Theater and Film Institute in Los Angeles. A man of many talents, wearing many hats, big things on the horizon, no doubt. Santos, thank you so much for hanging out with us here on After the Bell. Any final messages for the ATB listeners? Ori, Kevin, thank you so much for having me. As I always say, I cherish these opportunities to let my audiences know who I am, where I come from, and what I'm about. And hopefully, right now, all our audiences can answer those three questions, who I am, where I come from and what I'm about. And other than that, keep following Santos Escobar. The future is bright. Future is bright and the ceiling is gone. Ceiling is gone. Ray took care of it. And then I, I'm taking care of it uh, as well. So whoever is out there being inspired by me or Ray, here it is. All you got to do is keep believing, keep working hard, and always, always be authentic. That's my that's my take. Thank you always so much, guys. Be authentic. Fantastic. You can find Santos at Escobar WWE on social media. Make sure you're following us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find KP at Kev underscore Egan. Listen for free wherever you get your podcast. Just search After the Bell and hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Full episodes of ATB on the official WWE YouTube channel each and every Monday. And we'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE after the bell. <laughs>